0: Oh, thank you so much. John, that was great. Get adjusted here and Mike's going to fine tune me. All right. Oh, isn't it a great day? It's a busy day and we're going to start today looking at the book of Jonah. What a wonderful book of the Bible that is. And so if you'll find the book of Jonah, it's back there kind of hidden in your Bible. Book of Jonah. One fifty nine. All right. Wonderful, wonderful not I want to welcome my friend Bascom down here, and Bascom is a Texan, and you're one one Texan I like. Okay, not a lot of them, <laughs> but I like this one. All right. Well, I had the joy of ministering to Bascom's wife, and and. Uh, just had a wonderful time going Still Hopes and visiting Jeanette and just had a glorious time as we prayed together. So good to have Bascom with us today. And it is a busy day and I'm going to teach and then preach and baptize and then Pam and I are going to get on a plane and fly to Oklahoma about 4 o'clock today. So pray for us as we travel and I know you'll pray for Pam's family as we uh, go back there this afternoon, Well, the book of Jonah, what a uh, tremendous book that is. I, I gave you a little introduction, and I just want to read the first paragraph. This comes from the Message Bible, and uh, from Eugene Peterson. Everyone knows about Jonah. People who have never read the Bible know enough about Jonah to laugh, and a joke about him and the whale. Jonah has entered our folklore. There is a playful aspect to his story, a kind of slapstick clumsiness about Jonah as he bumbles his way along, trying, but always unsuccessfully, to avoid God. And that is the story of the book of Jonah. Here is a preacher, a man of God, who tries to avoid God. And that is an impossibility. I uh, was thinking about the book of Jonah. And you know, G. Campbell Morgan said it right. We look at the great fish so much that we fail to see the great God. There is a great God in the book of Jonah. I was uh, looking at uh, some history uh, stories the other day. I love history. And I was reading about a guy named Robert Leroy Parker and Larry, or Harry, rather, Longbow. And Harry Longbow and Robert Leroy Parker were on the run. They were running from the law. They thought they could outrun the law. Now, you may know those two guys by their other names, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And so, you know, Paul Newman, Robert Redford made that movie, you know, great. But anyway, in 1969, they made that movie. But they were robbing trains and banks, always looking over their shoulder to see where the law was. And they wound up down in Bolivia, and the law caught up with them. That's the story of the book of Jonah. As much as Jonah tried to run from God, God caught up with Jonah. And wherever Jonah went, God was already there. There is a, another character in the past. Remember Adam. Adam is there in the garden. Adam sins, takes Eve along with him. Notice I said Adam sins. Sometimes we blame that on the woman, but you know, Adam should have been the spiritual leader there, so they both sin. And he's there in the garden, and uh, he tries to hide. But guess who shows up in the garden? God does. And God there in the garden walks through the cool of the day. You can hear the voice of God saying, Adam, where are you? And so when Adam was brought face to face with God, he learned the lesson. You cannot run or hide from God. And so today I want you to look at verses 1 through 3. As we begin this study, I'm going to read 1 through 3. Then we'll look at the whole first chapter. Now, let me just tell you this, that man did the verses and chapters. God didn't do that. And that's why you find verse 16 really ending chapter 1 and verse 17 really beginning chapter 2. So we're going to look at verses 1 through 16. Let's just go ahead and read 1 through 3. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa, found a ship which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Well... Jonah gets a call from God. And Jonah's call was very simple. I want you to arise, I want you to go, and I want you to cry. I want you to preach the word of God over there in Nineveh. You know, sometimes God calls you to strange places. Sometimes God's call is not welcomed in your life. But God's call cannot be avoided. And here you have Jonah with a call of God on his life. And he goes the opposite direction. You and I cannot hide and we cannot run from God. You may try to run, but you cannot ultimately hide from God. You cannot get out of his presence. That is an impossibility. And so, why is that true? Let me give you some reasons why that's true. Number one, because God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life. Aren't you glad He does? God has a tremendous plan for you. Now, Jonah was an 8th century prophet. He is mentioned only one other time in the Old Testament. And that is in 2 Kings chapter 14 verse 25. The name Jonah means dove. Conveying the idea of peace and tranquility. (laughs) Well, it didn't fit him, did it? Here's the guy who has a name that means peace and tranquility... And he winds up on a stormy sea and winds up in a stormy sea monster. And yet we find skeptics and liberals have laughed at this book. They reject the history of the book. But there is one person who had no doubt about the book of Jonah. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 12, verses 38 through 41, Matthew chapter 16, verse 4, Luke chapter 11, verses 29 through 32, Christ quoted and quoted and quoted and reaffirmed the book of Jonah. And so, it's a real story about a real prophet on the run. God had a plan. Again, in verses 1 and 2, Arise, get up, go, get on your way, and I want you to cry, I want you to preach, I want you to preach against the sin of Nineveh. You know, there's, there's something marvelous about preaching when God's on you. And when you're in God's spot, Preaching the Word of God, it's a wonderful thing. But there is nothing more miserable than a preacher outside of the will of God. Oh, they're, they're just cantankerous. You don't want to be around them. I mean, there, there are those rare moments, you know, I get a little cross with God. And you know, Pam doesn't want to be around them. <laughs> The reason why, I'm just, I'm irritable, and I'm, you know, what's the word, crotchety, all right? I That's Jonah. Now, I know y'all can't imagine that, can you? You know? No, no, no. But, but yet this prophet, this 8th century prophet, did not want to go and preach to that city. Now, you find in verse number 2, The Bible says there, it was a great city. Huge city. And it was great in sin. Great in sin. It was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. And it had more than 50 deities. More than 50. And so they needed the preaching of the word of God. Now we may attempt to resist his plan. That's what Jonah did. Jonah was not impressed with God's call. Nineveh was 500 miles northeast of Israel. Tarshish was 2,000 miles in the opposite direction. Tarshish was on the coast of Spain. And so, here you've got Jonah not going 500 miles To the east, Jonah goes 2,000 miles to the west. Thought he could get out of sight from God. Well, why did Jonah run? I want you to look at chapter 4. Look at the book of Jonah, chapter 4, verse 2. Chapter 4, verse 2. He prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was not this what I said? While I was still in my own country, therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. Why did Jonah run? Because he knew God's nature. Jonah said, as sure as I go over there and preach, God's going to forgive me. <laughs> and I don't like them. I don't want to go over there and say, God just rained down fire. God just burned them up. But that was not God's plan. Well, we may attempt to run not only from God's plan, but also from God's presence. Two times in verse number three. Verse number three, two times you find this phrase, from the presence of the Lord. Jonah tried to get out of the presence of God. Now, you may try to do that like Jonah did. Notice in verse number three, it says Jonah paid the fare. When you and I try to run from God, we pay our own way. When you and I try to run from God, we get what we can get. But if you are in the will of God, you're under the blessing, protection, and watch care of God. And even in the midst of a storm, God's hand is on you. Jonah had to learn, it is a hard road to go when you pay your own way. Aren't you glad we can sing that wonderful hymn, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but Jesus washed it white as snow. Danny Aiken, president of Southeastern Seminary, said Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you're willing to pay. That is a true statement. God had a plan for Jonah it was an impossibility for Jonah to get away from God. So it is with you and I that if you're a child of God saved by grace, God has a plan for your life and you cannot get away from the Lord. He will not let you go. I'm glad for that. Alright, reason number two, you cannot hide from God. God is providential in our lives. God is providential in our lives. I I hope First Presbyterian Church can hear this. (laughs) You know, Baptists believe in providence too. We do. We do. We just also believe in free will of man. But you know, if you're a child of God, for you to be saved, you've got to pray this prayer. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. And Jesus, I make you Lord of my life. Does not Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says, If we confess Christ as Lord and believe in our heart. And so, the Lordship of Christ means that Christ is on the throne of your life. It means That God's providence will oversee your life. The hero, again, of the book of Jonah, it's not Jonah, it's not the fish, it's not Nineveh, it is God Himself. He's the hero. God controls His creation. I want you to look at verses 4 through 6. Let's read 4 through 6. The Lord hurled a great wind on the sea. There was a great storm on the sea, so that the ship was about to break up. Then the sailors became afraid, and every man cried to his God, and they threw the cargo which was in the ship into the sea to lighten it uh, for them. For Jonah had gone below into the hold of the ship, lain down, and fallen sound asleep. So the captain approached him and said, How is it that you are sleeping? Get up. Call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. All right, here's what happened. Jonah got on the boat, paid the fare. On his way to Tarshish, God allows a storm to come. Here is a prophet outside the will of God. He is sound, asleep in his sin. All of those pagan sailors, they're crying to their deities. And the oh, Jonas is there asleep. You know, isn't funny sometimes? Lost people act better than saved people when they're outside the will of God. You know, a saved man outside of the will of God acts worse sometimes than a pagan does. That's what you find here in the book of Jonah. God controls His creation. God controlled the wind. God controlled the sea. A Christian may be on the wrong boat, going the wrong way, but God will not give up on us. How many times have you seen a child of God drift away and then the Holy Spirit of God... Gets a hold of them. I prayed for someone one time. I said. I'm going to pray that God will not let you sleep. And that God will not let you eat. And that God will not let you rest. Until you make this thing right. That's what Jonah needed to do. God also controls our circumstances. Look at verse number 7. Each man said to his mate. Come let us cast lots, so we may learn on whose account this calamity has struck us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Now, I don't know how far to go with this. I don't want to get in trouble with Baptist folks, but uh, but they did a little gambling there, all right? And God just kind of Orchestrated. uh, Who lost that game? All right, Jonah did. The lot fell on Jonah. You know, God can control things that are not necessarily good things, but can bring His will out of those situations. Now, if you don't believe that, you don't believe Romans eight twenty eight. All things, not good things. All things work together for good to those who love the Lord. A storm, a calm, whatever it is, God can use all things to His glory. So, this little casting of the lots, God used that. And the lot fell on Jonah. Now look at verse 9. Verse Verse 9 is the first time that Jonah speaks. He said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Well, they finally get Jonah to wake up and confess. You know, I think right here he's on the way. He's on the way to making things right. He woke up and confessed, Yes, I'm a Hebrew. I know the God of the Hebrews. Folks, the first way, the first thing we must do to get right with God when we're running is to start confessing. And that's what Jonah did. God is providential in our lives. He controls the circumstances. Let me tell you how this goes down. If you're playing Jonah or if you know someone who's running from God right now, God will allow people to come into their lives unexpectedly that will have the right word, that will have the right love, that will have the right encouragement, that will give them the right kind of grace to lead them back to the Father. You know, I learned a long time ago, you can't drive people to Jesus. you got to lead them. You've got to lead them. And you got to love them. You've got to love them back into the kingdom. All right. You cannot run or hide from God. Number three. Number three. Because God is persistent in our life. God is persistent. I read a poem one time called The Hound of Heaven. <laughs> and in that poem, they describe God as the Hound of Heaven, and that God will trail you down and will not let you go. Back years ago, my, my dad and I did some bird hunting in Oklahoma. And uh, I still got three shotguns. I, I got three shotguns underneath my bed. I don't know what the world they're there for, but I got three shotguns. <laughs> I got 220 gauge and one 410, but, but I used to go bird hunting. My dad wanted to buy a dog, so we had a blonde English setter. His name was Duke, All <laughs> right. So we had Duke, the English setter. We go out there, and, man. We go quail well, hunting, hey. and I I remember oh oh, Duke would get out there a ways, and and sometimes he would get out there a little bit too far. And my dad would say, boy, if he didn't come back, I'm gonna pepper him. And I knew what that meant. <laughs> that meant he was gonna take my four ten. He was gonna pepper him, all right. He'd holler, and Duke would bring him back in. But I I remember how that Duke would find that cubby of quail and. And Duke would hold that point and we'd get up there and we'd kind of kick the ground and we would flush that cubby out and you know they'd go offline. flying. So then not sounded like a war going off, you know, guns going off all over the place. But but I remember later on when we would eat those quail. Man, we'd have biscuits and quail and gravy. Oh, baby, yeah. they're Fasting, that's good eating, isn't it? Man, I tell you. Boy, Texan knows that. Boy, it's good eating. But sometimes I would eat that quail, and I'd say, man, someone had too much gun. Too much gun. Because there'd be pellets, <laughs> there'd be shot in some of those quail. And I'd have to kind of dig that shot out of there. It's still good eating no, though, still good eating. Now, I, I've kind of went a long way to get there, but I've got a point here, all right? God knows how much shot to use. God will not give up on you. God is persistent. God knows how to love and encourage and draw and woo you back into his presence. God knows how to do it. Well, God wants us to see His power. Look at verse 13 and 14. However, the men rode desperately to return to land, but they could not. For the sea was becoming even stormier against them. Then they called on the Lord and said, We earnestly pray, O Lord, do not let us perish on account of this man's life. And do not put innocent blood on us. For you, O Lord, have done as you have pleased. So, we see the power of God here. I mean, these these guys rode desperately trying to get away from the storm. But what happened? They couldn't get away from it. Because God was in the middle of that. And then God wants us to give Him praise. Praise. Why don't you look at verse 15 and 16, the last two verses. So they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. Then the men feared the Lord greatly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Ah, oh, here you find these pagan men made vows to the God of the Hebrews. They threw that reluctant prophet overboard. But those men were brought possibly to faith in Jehovah God because of this. It is true. God will not give up on us. Sin will cause us to have a deaf ear. Do you realize that the greatest missionary book in the Old Testament is the book of Jonah? God loves a lost world. And He calls you and I. He calls you and I to share a life-changing message of the gospel. And so we need to be obedient when God calls. I want you to look at one last verse today. Find the book of Psalms. I want you to turn over real quick. Psalm 139. We'll close with this. Psalm 139, verse 7. Book of Psalms 139. Verse 7. Psalm 139 says this. Verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? The answer is nowhere. Nowhere. For God is already there. And I'm glad he is. Alright, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, as we travel through this wonderful missionary book, God remind us it is our job to arise, to go, and to cry. It may not be Nineveh. It may be next door. It may be across the street. It may be somewhere in the marketplace this week. Help us to be obedient because we cannot run and we cannot hide from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all so much.